0: today about being lost. Have you ever been lost? How do you feel when you're lost? Just, just give me some words to describe how you feel when you're lost. Scared? Confused? Frustrated? Helpless? Annoyed? What's that? Late? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> late. Oh, oh I, so, I so, so get that one. I remember one time, my wife and I, we were driving through Pittsburgh, and if you've ever driven to Pittsburgh, you know there's like hills everywhere and and turns and curves, and it's just completely different from the the pancake flat land in which we live here in Toledo, where everything's kind of mapped out and gridded out for the most part, and we were just like beside ourselves, like where in the world are we? And this is before cell phones and GPS and all that kind of fun stuff. And we were just like, get out the map. And she got out the map, and we, we just couldn't find her. So she says, why don't you just go over to that gas station and ask for help? Well, there's two problems with that. The first problem is I'm a man. <laughs> and the second problem is it was, it was in a sketchy neighborhood. We'll just we'll, 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 we'll put, put it at that. And so I remember just, like, okay, okay, I, I, I weighed out the being lost and, and you know, it's all my fault because I'm driving, or facing my fears and swallowing my pride and asking for help. And so I went into the gas station, and the guy's like, I don't know how to get there. So it was no help at all. But eventually, somehow, somehow I got here today. I mean, this was years ago, of course. Lost whether you're lost in the woods lost as a child lost in a mall it, it's a it can be a really scary feeling uh, show of hands how many of you have ever tried to get lost or you you've you like being lost like I, at least in one in one moment in your life maybe as a kid trying to run away from mom and dad or or like you tried to get lost anybody okay if you few of you are like, yeah, should I? And sometimes, on on rare occasions, we don't want to be found. But in in most cases, I think think people, when they're lost, it's a really uncomfortable feeling. It's a place we don't want to be. And if you've ever had the privilege of helping someone get found, you know it's really exciting. You see all that fear just sort of flush away. You see the joy and the surprise and the delight and the relief that I've been found. We're going to talk about lost and found today. But first, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the privilege that we have of being called your sons and daughters. As the song says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And as we've experienced the joy of, of being found, I pray, Lord, that we would also experience the joy, perhaps, of helping others to be found as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last year, we went through the core values, the newly established core values of First Alliance Church. we developed over the last several years, our, our elders and our staff, we developed a mission statement so we, so we knew why we were here and what we're all about and where we're going. And we looked back at our history and we looked at A.B. Simpson, the founder of this church and the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and looked at why did he come to Toledo and why did he start this church? What was his intention? Simon Sinek's great book, Start With Why, uh, W-H-Y, Start With Why, Why Are We Here? And we discovered that we are ultimately here, that God has placed First Alliance Church uniquely here in Toledo to restore God's masterpieces. We are a a Jesus-centered family on a mission, on a mission to restore God's masterpieces in Toledo and beyond for his glory. And you are a masterpiece, no matter what the world has told you, you are a masterpiece, and everyone sitting next to you is a masterpiece, No matter who they are, what they look like, where they come from, how much money they have, their background, you are a masterpiece. And the thing is, every one of you are not only a masterpiece, but I hate to say this, you're a broken masterpiece. You're you're, you're an incomplete masterpiece. The world has scuffed all of us up like a painting with dust and debris, sin and our own selfishness and pride and the junk from our childhood and trauma and all this stuff creates layers of garbage on us. And we are in the process, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working in conjunction with God Almighty to restore God's masterpieces. And part of that, or you should say all of that, involves lost people. Now, after going through these core values of First Alliance Church last year, it occurred to us that, maybe it'd be good to look at our broader family, the Christian Missionary Alliance. We are not an independent church. I am a man under authority. Our staff, our elders, we submit to a district office in Ann Arbor, which submits to a national office, which is in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We have authority. We have structures. We have accountability. And if you've ever read the news in the last few years about churches and pastors, you know that there's all sorts of craziness out there. And a lot of it's because there's no accountability. There's no structure. And I'm grateful for the Christian Missionary Alliance. It's a global movement. We're in dozens and dozens of countries around the world. Missionary is our middle name, quite literally. As some of you know, I had a chance recently to go to Germany and see what God's doing in Germany with the Christian Missionary Alliance. And you'll hear a a bit about that in a little bit. But we thought we'd take some time to look at the Alliance core values. And there are seven core values. You heard them on the video a moment ago. Maybe you've seen them in the lobby. We have posters that describe them. But we want to take the next seven weeks and unpack what is our global family all about? What is the Christian Missionary Alliance all about? What, what do we value? And it's not just the values of the Christian Missionary Alliance. We believe these are the values of Jesus. And since he's the one that we follow, he's the one that we're all about. He's why we're here. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're not here to be the best church in town or have the nicest building or anything like that. We're just here to help people connect with Jesus. We thought it'd be good to take some time to go through. So today we're going to start a seven-week series. We're going to present these core values in no particular order. But today's core value says lost people matter to God and he wants them found. Lost people matter matter to God and he wants them found. Now, maybe maybe you've wondered, well, what does it mean to be lost? I'm going to define lost for you. Lost is very simple. Lost is anybody who does not have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to need some help on the slides today. Um, Lost people are those who do not have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of who according to this definition, is lost and found. I'll simply say this, that Jesus came that you may have life and have it abundantly, have it in the most extraordinary way. It doesn't mean life's going to be easy. In fact, it it can be quite downright difficult. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have something no one else in the world has. You have peace. You have joy. You have contentment. You have security of life beyond the grave. You have hope for today. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Let me make it really clear. We are not here to force Jesus on anybody. We're not here to convert people and manipulate them and coerce them. We're simply here to make an invitation, an offering. Come to the party. Maybe you've been invited to a party and for whatever reason you chose to go. And maybe you've been invited to parties and for whatever reason you chose not to go. But no one can force you to go to a party. it's a choice. So let me say at the outset, Jesus invites you to a party, an eternal party, a party that's going to last forever and ever. It's going to be incredible. And it actually starts now. It starts today. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, by his definition, you are lost. That's not a pejorative term. It doesn't mean we look down on you or or you're a bad person. It just means you haven't come to the party yet. You haven't received, you haven't responded to the invitation and that's your choice truthfully, I can't imagine life without Jesus. I was raised in the church. I came to faith at a very young age. I really don't even remember life without Jesus, but I can tell you this. Life is hard enough with Jesus. I can't imagine life without Christ. As we sang earlier, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus, because I've discovered that the stock market has failed me our educational system has failed me. Science and COVID and masks and vaccines and all that, like, we're still trying to figure that out. Has politics ever failed us? <laughs> Just a skosh, right? Entertainment, pleasure, it always ends. Don't you hit it when you're, like, your favorite movie, you're watching, all of a sudden it ends? Like, but Jesus will never fail you. And I want to say just one more time, this is not about religion. This is about a relationship with Jesus. All right, so we're talking about lost people. Here's the thing. Some lost people don't know that they're lost. Maybe, well, even driving in Pittsburgh that day, there was a time where I didn't realize I was lost, and then there was a moment where I realized, whoops, I am. And, and some people are just happy to be wandering through life or wandering in the woods or wandering on, driving through a city, and just happy to go lucky. As some people think that this life is all there is. He who dies with the most toys wins. There's nothing more, right? Just try to make money and pleasure myself and have a good time. And that's what life is all about. But there's so much more. Suicide statistics show that many are so desperate they can't even t- tolerate this life. And by the way, if, if that happens to be you today, I just want to draw your attention again to the suicide prevention lifeline. Help is available. Please tell someone. And this is an epic situation right now in our world, and if you read the news, you understand why. There's not a whole lot of good news out there, but there's a whole lot of good news in Jesus. This word gospel, it simply means Good news. And that's why we're here, to experience good news, to share good news, to tell the world that there is good news, there is hope available. I want to also acknowledge that all of us, regardless of where you're at and your spiritual journey, all of us were lost at one point. All of us. This is key, and I'm going to ask the, the music team to, to come up. We're going to do another song. No, my sermon's not over. You're looking at the watch like, "Whoa, oh. They're going to rip me off? As I said, when I, when I was a child, I, I encountered Jesus and I discovered that, that I sinned, that I failed God, that I disobeyed God, I, I broke laws and rules and there was pride and selfishness and just junk in my heart. And I really, I needed Jesus. Now maybe I need Jesus More as an adult than I did as a a child. Depends on how you weigh that out. But I, I realized that I needed Jesus and I was lost. Again, this is not about us versus them because we're all members of the human race, regardless of all the stuff that the world tries to divide us with. We're all humans and we all need a Savior. We need forgiveness. We need hope. We need peace, and joy, and we really need love. We need love. You know, there's this old song that I think most of you have, have heard. It's called Amazing Grace. I need grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's just a gift. It's a gift you choose to receive or not. Ephesians says this. It says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are the light of the world. Live as children of light. Live as children of light. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now i found, was blind, but now I see. I just want you to look at those words. I once was lost. Is that your story? We all have a story. My story is I once was lost, but it doesn't stop there because now I am found. Now, truthfully, I've never been physically blind, but I was spiritually blind, and now I see. But if we can go back to the first line, can we go back to that slide, the the first slide that saved a wretch like me? Uh, Ron Canoli, worship leader in California, tells a story about how when he was a little boy, he heard the song, and he said, he said, mama, what's a wretch? He looked at her and said, are you a wretch, Mama? We're all wretches. We're all born with a sin nature. We all want it our way. We want to do life on our terms. We want to be God. And these days, it seems to be the cool thing to judge God, to condemn God, to tell God what he should do and what he should be about. If that's not the audacity of arrogance, I don't know what is. saved a wretch like me. You've all heard this song a thousand times. But I want you to to soak into the lyrics and I want you to be aware of what we're singing because these words are so powerful. Sure, it's a great melody, but it's also great lyrics. Would you please stand? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was, was lost, but now i am found. Was blind, but now
1: I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. In grace my fears relived. that grace of Him, the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. is good to be his, his word, word I hold secure. So The God who called me here below will be forever mine, will be forever mine, will be
0: Amazing grace. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he predicted his death, he predicted his resurrection, and he let his followers know that they were about to experience amazing grace. See, religion says it's all about you have to be good and you have to follow the rules and you do all these things and hopefully your good outweighs the bad. But the problem is God doesn't grade on a curve. It's 100% or fail. And I know my score is not 100%. I actually know your score isn't 100% either. But Jesus' score is 100%. Because only Jesus lived a perfect life. Only Jesus was uniquely qualified with that 100% score to pay the penalty. He exchanged his paper with ours, said, turn this in. It wasn't a cheating thing, although it feels like it. It's better than cheating, it's grace. But nothing you can do can make God love you more than he already does, and nothing can make God love you less than he already does. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, we've got some elements for you and we'd like you to first take out the bread. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus, for your body shed and broken on the cross for us. To offer forgiveness and hope and life and reconciliation to the Father, we in remembrance of you, Jesus, let's eat together. In the same way, he took the cup, and it wasn't a little cup like this. It was probably a big, big glass of wine. It was a big celebration, Passover celebration, a big meal. We haven't called this the Lord's Supper. It was the Lord's Su- Supper. Today, it's the Lord's Breakfast, I guess. But it doesn't matter, because the point is to remember. It doesn't matter what, how we do it. What matters is that we remember that Jesus died to prove his love to us, to show us how much he loved us. As the old story says, he reached out his arms and said, I love you this much, and hung on the cross. His blood poured out until he had no life left. Jesus, we thank you for your blood shed for us. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We drink together now in remembrance of you, Jesus. Let's drink. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch Like me, I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So, as I was saying... All of us were lost at one time. Every one of us were lost. Sometimes, even those of us that have been found occasionally find ourselves lost. We get get stuck, get get in a rut. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, however, refused to acknowledge that they were lost. They thought they were better than everybody else. They did shun other people. They looked down upon other people. It was us versus them. And Jesus finally had to come to them and and he, he said these famous words. He said, Woe to you! Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. His message was, you look good on the outside, but inside you are a mess. And today, religion does this. People put on this facade, hey, I've got my act together, I'm perfect, look at me, look at me, And inside, there's just all this brewing sin and pride and selfishness. Pride, by the way, was the first sin. And it continues to be, I believe, the root of all sorts of sins. So even if you haven't killed anybody today or lied or stolen, there's this pride, there's self-righteousness, this look at me. Our attitude toward the law should never be one of judgment or condemnation of looking down, but one of realizing someone maybe hasn't come to the party yet and we'd like to invite them. See, Jesus approached us, it says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die because you're a good person. He just died because he loved you. That's it. He just loved you. It's not because of all the, all the good things you do, because of all the money you give, all the church attendance you do, all the religious stuff. No, he just died because he loved you and he wanted more than anything for you to be able to be reconciled to your creator, to know the meaning and purpose of life, which is, well, in three words, Jesus is Lord. Jesus wants to do life with us and show us what it means to be human. It's important to realize that some people that are lost don't want to be found. And as I said earlier, this is true for some kids in the woods, you know, they're like trying to hide out. But it's true for a lot of people today. Many have heard the good news, the gospel, and they've rejected it. And that's their choice. That's their prerogative. But unfortunately, there are those who, who've never heard. I mean, they, they just don't know. But to those that that have chose to do life their own way, I often want to just say with as much love and compassion, how's it working out for you? There's some sobering words in the book of Proverbs, and it says this, that the fool says, a psalm rather, the, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. What a positive statement that is, huh? I don't write the news. I just deliver it. But as I said, it's not our job to to force anything upon anybody. Only the Holy Spirit can change a human heart. Only the Holy Spirit, God at work, can cause a selfish person to surrender their life, to let go and let God. It's a miracle when someone chooses to follow Jesus. Jesus. And the thing about inviting people to the party, the thing about inviting people to follow Jesus, is it's not about our eloquence, it's not about our, our abilities, it's really just about God at work stirring someone up to realize maybe, maybe doing life my way isn't all that it's cracked up to be. The example of Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, is a reminder that there is no person beyond the scope of God's power to reach out. I've been praying for for President Putin to surrender his life to Christ. Would that make a difference in our world? I know that's audacious. I know that's extreme. But Saul was a man who was persecuting Christians. He was like enemy number one in the early church, and God somehow gripped his heart, and he became one of the authors of the New Testament, wrote books, was one of the greatest leaders in the history of the church. And if a guy killing Christians can become a great Christian, it gives me hope for people like President Putin and others. There's a whole bunch of others. Perhaps the most important message I have for you today is that it's a joy to seek and find the lost. It's a joy. It's a privilege. Some of you have been taught, oh, you have to you have to force everybody to pray a prayer and and follow this formula, and then you get brownie points. Then God will love you more. Introverts are like, talk to people. Extroverts are like, let's go. It's a joy to seek and to find the lost. This was Jesus' mission, and it's found throughout the Bible but especially in Luke chapter 15, and you can read it. It's a whole chapter talking about the lost and the found. I would would love to. You guys have a couple hours? We can sit down and do that right now. All right. (laughs) One person's ready. The rest of you want lunch. Uh, Luke 15 talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and then the one that most people know, the, the lost son. We call it the prodigal son. And all three stories are parables that Jesus tells that describe how desperate God is to seek and save the lost. In fact, uh, two weeks ago when we were in Varn, Germany, I saw this sculpture. And the, this sculpture was... Uh, we, were, we were asked, like, do you guys know what the sculpture is? And, and we weren't really sure at first. The guy on the left looked a little bit like Gandhi to me. Uh, but they said, no, that's not Gandhi. They said, they said this is... A sculpture of the prodigal son. That's that's. It's really about the prodigal father. The word prodigal means kind of extravagant, wild, and the, the son kind of went off and did wild things, but it was the father that was really wild. It was the father that had this amazing grace to run after his son and to embrace him, even though he made a mess of his life. See, the dad didn't really care so much about what the boy did. He cared about who the boy was. It was his son. He said, I love my son no matter what my son does. And I wish this story could be told and understood by people today because I believe a lot of people reject Jesus not because they don't like Jesus, they don't like themselves and they feel like they've done too much, that there is no way that God could love or accept them after all that they've done. And my response to that is, that is a lie from Satan. There is nothing that you've ever done that God can't forgive And he's just waiting for you to respond to the invitation to follow him, to trust him, to come to him, to come to the party. And the lost coin and the lost son and the lost sheep all describe the radical nature of Jesus. By the way, um, what's startling to me about this is not so much the sculpture, though it's it's a pretty profound sculpture. But this is a sculpture in the middle of Varen, Germany, a town that was under atheistic, communistic rule just 33 years ago. Um, speaking of which, uh, on, on the next slide, you'll see the Carey family and their colleagues, the Youngs and the McLeans. They are experiencing the joy of helping lost people find Jesus in this town of Varen, Germany, in north, northeast Germany. Their whole mission, the whole purpose, the reason they packed up everything they had and moved on the other side of the world to this town in Germany is because there are people in Germany that have no idea that God loves them. I found that shocking. Germany? Wait, Germany, isn't that where like, the Reformation started and Martin Luther and Bonhoeffer and all those cool guys? Well, it's true of West Germany, but East Germany has only been out of communistic, atheistic rule for 33 years. It's really not that long and it's astonishing how many people in east germany have no clue that god loves them they've never they've never received the invitation it's not that they rejected it they just don't know spending time with with these superheroes is incredible their love their compassion the way that they're serving needs in the city and helping kids learn english and 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 doing things with sports and taking in Ukrainian refugees literally into their home. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Jesus said of himself this. He said, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's his mission. That's why Jesus came, to seek and save the lost. Every day of his 33 years on this planet, was toward that agenda, toward that mission. And obviously, our mission as individuals, as followers of Jesus, is not to die on the cross and rise from the dead, but it is to give good news, to deliver an invitation. You know the old adage you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We can lead people to Jesus, but we can't make them force them to convert. And that's okay. We can't change a human heart, we can't ma- manipulate someone to surrender their lives. But we can make an introduction. We can offer an invitation. You know, one of the most disturbing words for many Christians is this word evangelism. And some of you just got, you shook in your oh, goosebumps. like Evangelism, No, oh, not that word. Let those people in Germany do it, but not here. No, no, I can't do evangelism. Did you know evangelism, it comes from this Greek word. It's it's really uh, an interesting word, Uh Evangelion is, is the word, and it simply it means announcing good news. Most of you are evangelists of one thing or another. Maybe you told someone about a sale at the store. Maybe you let friends know that you had a baby or that you were pregnant or you're getting married. Maybe, maybe there's a, a grandbaby, maybe you're graduating from high school and you want to tell the whole world. That's evangelism. That's sharing good news. In fact, I I didn't know this until uh, further study this week, but the word angel is right in the middle of this Greek word. And angel means messenger. (laughs) So it's right there. It's like delivering good news. How cool is that? The book of Romans asks this question. It says, how in the world can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now at this point you might be thinking, well, yeah, okay, Pastor Kirk, that's your job, right? You're the pastor. You deliver the, the, the news. You're the, the, the preacher. You're the evangelist. It's your job to go and, and tell everybody about Jesus. And it's my job to sit comfortably and put a dollar in the box in the back. Well, there's a couple problems with that. First of all, I think that's a common thinking, a a common perception, and it's a great ploy, another ploy of Satan, because if only pastors can deliver good news, then that means 95 or 99% of the evangelists, the good news people, the storytellers, are silenced. The other problem with that is most of my time I spend with Christians. In fact, most of our staff are Christians, Okay, all of our staff are Christians. Just want to see if you're awake. (laughs) You know, evangelism is an occupational hazard for me because I spend a lot of time with Christians. A lot of you spend all sorts of time with non-Christians. And no, I'm not saying that you have to get a megaphone megaphone tomorrow morning at the office and start yelling at people, you're all going to hell, turn and burn. But I'm saying you can love people, you can be in relationship with people. You can share good news. One of the greatest problems is it seems like the longer someone has known Jesus, the fewer non-Christian friends that they have. Which is why those of you that are new to the faith, we especially need you just to share good news with your friends. Tell your story. Do you have a story? If you don't have a story, maybe you're not as found as you think you are. Our scripture reading for today, the Great Commission, many of you have it memorized. Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And please don't forget that. Jesus has all authority. And he sends us out. He says, go. This is not to pastors, by the way. This is not a thing just for pastors, professional clergy. This is not just for, for men. There were women in the audience. This is not just for superheroes. This is for, I mean, there were there were. All sorts of people, when Jesus said this, his last words recorded by Matthew, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, including Germany, including North Korea, including Russia, including Ukraine, including the United States, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It is a joy to seek and find the lost. What do you love? I just want you to think about this one. What do you love? Uh, some of you like sports. I love sports. I'm glad baseball's going again. Uh, some of you like cooking and food. <laughs> some of you like to cook, some of you like to eat, but both, you know, food. Maybe some of you are really into politics. Maybe uh, science is your thing and studying things. Maybe, maybe TV and movies is your gig. Like, what, what do you love to do? Do you talk about those things? I do. I I naturally talk about those things. I talk about my grandbabies all the time. I really love them. I love my kids, my wife. I adore her. I'm always talking about my wife, my kids, sports, whatever. Do you love Jesus? I know we're not supposed to talk politics or religion. Those are the two things, right? Never talk politics or religion. Seems like everyone else is talking about politics. And really, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus. If you love Jesus, it should be natural to talk about Jesus. So I want to give you a few tips. You might want to write these down. Uh, If you you don't have a pen or you don't want to write them down, you can go to PastorKirk.com. They'll be there today or tomorrow. I put all my message notes on PastorKirk.com. So here's a few tips, practical tips, because this is for everybody. It's not just for the professionals. It's not just for the people overseas in Germany. Uh, Number one. Build relationships with non-Christians, the lost. We're not talking about going up to strangers. I mean, if that's your thing, fine, but please do it with love. I mean, these guys with the megaphones, most of them, they're just angry. I, I, don't, I don't know, like, not all of them. Not all of them. A lot of them, they're just angry. Like, put that thing down, show some love. Build relationships with non-Christians. I've got some friends right now that don't know Jesus, and I love talking about Jesus. We're in conversation uh, about Christ, and I'm just like, Hey, um, these are the things I love. I love my wife. I love my grandkids. I love baseball. I love Jesus. Not in that order. But we just talk about the things that we love. But if you don't have any non-Christian friends, then it's really hard to get into this conversation. Two, pray for your friends. By the way, they're not projects. Don't treat people like projects. That's not what this is about. Just praying the Holy Spirit might open their eyes. I just heard a story this morning. George Mueller prayed for 62 years for a guy to accept Christ. 62 years, he was in friendship, relationship with this guy, and this guy just like, no, 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 no. At George Mueller's funeral, he said yes to Jesus, 62 years later. Um, number three, share your story. Nobody can argue with your story. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have scientific proof and all this archaeological evidence And what about the Old Testament and this and that and have all the answers. It's okay. Share your story. You have a story. If you don't have a story, you probably, you're probably lost. That's okay. We just want you to know Jesus. Nobody can argue with your story. It's personal. Um, Four, listen to their story. So often this whole evangelism thing is like, get out of my way. I got to tell you all this stuff. You got to pray this prayer so I can get points. There's no points. It's about relationships, conversation. Listen to their story. Where are they at? Where are you at? We've made this so complicated, people. We've made this thing so complicated. And again, the enemy would love that because he'd love to see as many people lost as possible. It's just sharing love, loving people. Uh, people in crisis, just to note, are especially open to God and open help from God. I think the number one reason why people don't accept Christ is because they don't think they need God because they got their life under control. Except right now, who has their life under control? We've been out of control for a couple years. Um, the suicide rates, the depression, anxiety. The amount of pharmaceuticals that people are ingesting right now is astronomical. And I'm not anti-pharmaceuticals. I'm just saying... There's a whole lot of people that I think are trying to do life in this crazy world. If they would just stop and pause and realize that there's meaning and purpose and hope in life and it's found in Jesus, maybe they would cope a lot better. Right now, people are in crisis. And this is a great window of opportunity to show love. Share the gospel. Share the good news, the love of God. If you you want some steps, I mean, we're created for a purpose, and a lot of us just don't know what our purpose is. But when people realize that they were created, they're not an accident, their life really matters. God's holy and perfect, and he doesn't grade on a curve, and we've all screwed up, so we're all hopeless, but Jesus comes, he dies, he rises from the dead. Oh, speaking of which, he is risen! I might give you another chance. And it's just simply about making Jesus the leader of your life, following Christ instead of your own stuff, instead of following Hollywood or whatever Facebook says you're supposed to do, following Jesus. It's worked for 2,000 years, it's transformed lives, marriages. It just works. Trusting Jesus with your life and repenting. Turn away from your sin. It does not mean an easy life, but it does guarantee an exciting, satisfying, adventurous, eternal life filled with faith, hope, love, peace, and joy. Uh, number seven, involve others, if desired, including our church leaders. Hey, if you got a friend, you want to invite me out to lunch and we'll, like, three of us chat, I'm available. I'd love to talk about Jesus. I don't have all the answers. But I'd love to talk about Jesus. Uh, n- n- number... Eight kind of goes into that. Don't worry about having all the answers. Some people think you need a theology degree to share Jesus. Hey, it's a story. What's your story? Can you tell your story? I once was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Boom. Number nine, be patient. It usually takes time for people to surrender to Jesus. And I mentioned that earlier with the George Mueller story 62 years. I had a good friend. She called my wife and I regularly. Pray for my husband, pray for my husband. He wants nothing to do with God. Pray for my husband. He he doesn't even want me to go to church, but I'm going. um, He's let me go, but he doesn't want me to go. Pray for my husband. He, He just gets so angry whenever I talk about Jesus. Pray for my husband. Pray for. I mean, we got call after call for years and years and years, and we prayed for her, and we prayed for him, and we prayed for her, and we prayed for him. And then one day we got the call. There's this guy at my husband's office. And he's been sharing good news with my husband, and my husband's showing a little bit of interest. This is, this is after years and years. Um, so pray for my husband. And, and we did. And then we got the call. Oh, my goodness. You'll never believe what just happened. After, I, don't, I think it was 15 years. After 15 years, my husband came home and said he wants to follow Jesus. Our prayers have been answered. See, our problem is we're in a hurry. Do you want to receive Jesus now? Oh, yes you do. No, I don't. Yes you do. No. Yes you do. Yes you do. Yes you do. Sometimes people just aren't ready. Be patient. Usually it usually takes time. And then we're going to close with this one. Number 10. Have fun. Have fun. It's a joy to share Jesus. It should be. Do you like talking about your hobbies? Do you like talking about your family? Do you like talking about stuff? It should just be a joy to talk about Jesus. Lost people matter to God, and He wants them found. That was, many of you, that is some of you, telling you there is nothing like Jesus. We sang it. There's nothing, nothing better than Jesus. If you haven't experienced Jesus, I pray that you will. If you have, I pray that you will share it. Because lost people matter to God and he wants them found. Would you please stand for closing prayer? Jesus, we all like good news. Whether it's a, an unexpected gift card or a kind word, a thank you, when our sports team wins, when a loved one gets a promotion or a new job. We just love good news. And it's so, so natural for us to share good news on on social media, or talking to our friends. Except when it comes to you. Maybe it's just the way people have presented you. Maybe it's the way so-called Christians behave. But Lord, I believe that people in this world are desperate. And I believe, as the old song says, that Jesus, you are the answer. So I pray for my brothers and sisters today. I pray you give us wisdom to know how we can invite people to the eternal party. That we can share the love of Jesus, not condemnation, not judgment, not self-righteousness and arrogance and religion, but just to share your love. That we would be known as the, the most attractive people, the most generous and kind and compassionate people. Reflecting who you are. Forgive us Lord for the mess that we've made of of your name attaching you to all sorts of things that have nothing to do with you. And remind us each day Lord that lost people matter to you and you want them found. And we are your plan to deliver the message. Thank you. Once again, Jesus, for all you've done for us. I once was lost, but now I'm found. It's your name we pray, amen. Family, I love you so much. Uh, God bless you as you go and share Christ's love with people, as you invite them to the party. And I will see you very soon. God bless, shalom.